Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We get to come to church. We don't have to come to church. We get to be here today because we not only live in a country that allows it, but because we're one body in Christ that comes together and we we join as one to worship our mighty God. And it is uh, just an exciting time to be alive today to worship God. Interesting time, isn't it? So, as many of you know, Pastor Travis and Pastor Tina, um, Peyton McManus and Toby, they are in Uganda today on a missions trip, and so I want us to continue to pray for them, but because they're clear across the world, Pastor Travis asked me to bring the word today, and I'm honored to do that, and I want to thank him for that. I'm, you know, Pastor Travis is very good at, at recognizing people's callings in their lives and, and allowing room for, for a, a person to walk in that calling that God has placed on their lives, and I thank him for that. So let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for the opportunity that I get to bring your word today, God. I ask that you would allow me to step aside, God, that you would not allow me to speak, because you know, God, better than anybody. You know my heart, and you know I have nothing to say, Lord. But I pray that I would allow, that I would step aside, God, that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit, and, and just prepare our hearts for the message. And, and I pray that uh, it would just find good soil and the seed would be planted today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How many of you guys were here last week? Quite a few of you. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to listen to the message last week, Pastor Travis talked on a message titled, A New Day, A New You. And it was all about about examining your walk with Christ, examining your past and and where you're going, and realizing that, that, that you're not called exactly to change the world, but you're called to change your world through Christ. And and if there's anything that hinders us, we need to let that go so that we can continue to, to live out God's calling, right? And so I'm going to build on that today. I've titled today's message, Out with the Old and In with the New. You know, we as Christians, we've been given this beautiful gift, and that is the grace of God. It's Jesus. It was by God's grace that he sent his son and through his love for us that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross that you and I are no longer to perish, right? So that we can be called righteous, that God will look upon us, on you and I and say, say, say I, I don't see any fault, right? So we can have salvation in Christ. We've been given this beautiful gift called God's grace, and it gives us the ability to say, out with the old, in with the new, a new day and a new you. And it's through God's grace and his love for us that we're able to have a new day and a new you. So about 16 years ago, when I was 12 years old, what, what kind of inspired this message, when I was 12 years old, I, uh, 16 years ago, seems like a long time, I, I, I began playing the guitar, right? I, I picked up that instrument and I said to myself, I'm going to learn how to play this. But what I realized this week, that I'm not any better today on that guitar than I was 16 years ago. Right? And, and you would think after 16 years that I would be a professional and I would be almost as good as Adam Cook up here, but I'm not. And I thought to myself, what, what's the reason for that? And a lot of it was because I, I've realized after self-examination on that that I've picked up some pretty bad habits on that guitar that I've hindered myself 
from growing in that, on that instrument, from being able to, to get past some of the bad habits. And thinking about that, I also got to realize, you know, there's things in our spiritual life that cause us not to grow. There's bad habits that we pick up as Christians that hinder our growth and our ability to, to, to live out the full calling that God has placed on our lives. I recognized my problem on that guitar. I took action. Now I'm going back to the basics. I'm, I'm, I'm doing scales again. I'm building calluses on my fingers. It's, 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 it's rough. I, I want to give up, but I'm determined to break those bad habits. And I believe that you and I as Christians should be determined to examine and find out what the bad habits we have in our life and be determined to break those so that we can stand before God at the end of our life and say, God, I gave you everything that I have and I'm blameless, right? So in our spiritual life, we can pick up bad habits. And these bad habits, they cause a lack of growth and they cause spiritual immaturity. Now, the Bible talks about spiritual immaturity a few times. As part of the body of Christ, you and I are expected to continually grow in our spiritual lives and in our walk with Christ. We'll never be perfect and we're never going to come to a place where we should say, I'm content in my faith. You know, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, I, I'm never going to learn anymore. God is never going to use me anymore beyond what he's using me to. But we are called to continually be growing and asking God, what is it that you have for me? Where am I going? and Where do you want me, Lord? So in Hebrews chapter 5, it says that though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Paul also pushed the importance of seeking spiritual maturity in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. You are still worldly. worldly. And so Paul is, is comparing spiritual immaturity to being part of the world. And you know, looking at myself and my walk with Christ, there's things in my life, some bad habits that I've picked up because... Because whether we are doing it on purpose or, or unintentionally or whatever it might be, a lot of the times because we live in a fallen world, because we're still living in a worldly, you know, with the world, we try to take our worldly beliefs and our world, whatever you want to call it, and tie them into our Christian beliefs and it creates bad habits. It, you know, we're trying to combine the two and say that it's okay, but it's not. So today we're going to look at three bad habits that can hinder our spiritual growth. Now, I, I got to looking at these yesterday as I was studying, and I realized that, that, that these are three big topics that we're talking about. We're going to talk about, about, about love, the love of God. We're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about faith and the bad habits that come up. So the first one is loving those we like. Second is using prayer as a last option. And third, doubting God's ability. So let's take a look at, at our first bad habit that, that we can pick up. And I, and I, I want to also mention that, that I don't want to come across as, as saying that I'm perfect or that you're imperfect, but the truth of the matter is, is that you and I are all sinners. I'm a sinner. You know, I'm probably, the, like Paul says, I'm probably the chief of all sinners. But you and I are sinners. None of us are perfect, but it's through God's grace that we've gained salvation, nothing that we deserved. And so I don't want you to end, you know, leave today thinking, well, that guy... He's just saying that we're all a bunch of bad people. No, what I want us to recognize is that we all have faults, and there's things in our life that we need to sometimes take the mirror and look and examine ourselves and say, God, what is it that is holding me back from growing and walking with you and to do the things that you've called me to do? And so bad habit number one is loving those we like. Now, this might be a little 
controversial, you might be thinking, well, yeah, we're called to love. Of course we love those that we like. But do you know that you're called to love people that maybe you don't like? I want you to look around. Look at your neighbor behind you, in front of you, to the side. Look at everybody in this room. You're called to love that person. You're called to love that person. And so a bad habit is loving those that we like. We might be thinking, yeah, we're called to love one another, but we often get this wrong because we are called to love everybody. We're called to love our friends, our family, our enemies, those that hate us, those that have done us wrong, those who don't like us. We are called to love. And one of the most difficult parts of being a Christian is dealing with this four-letter word of love because we're not called to love the way that the world loves. We're called to love the way that God loves, and there's a big difference because the world will tell you that you are to love those who love you, right? You're only supposed to love those who like you or are nice to you or haven't done you wrong, but God says, listen, you are to love your enemy. You are to love everybody. God loved you in your worst, and he sent his son to die for you in your worst when you were a sinner, right? We are called to love everybody, but we get these two mixed up. We try to love as the world loves as a Christian, and that's not possible. We cannot, as children of God who are saying to God, listen, God, use me and, 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 and help me to, to build your kingdom and, and, and just let your will be done in my life. We can't say that and then love the way that the world loves. We have to love the way that God loves, and that's unconditionally. Jesus said when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he, he answered in Matthew 22, verse 37. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're called to love God and to love people. And the New Testament is filled with instruction and expectation that Christians are to love and to pray for everybody. Jesus went on in Matthew 5, 44. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you know how hard that is? How hard? I want you to underline that. Love and pray for those who persecute you. The world would tell you, no, you, you, know, you need to either retaliate, let that person cut them out of your life, forget about them. You, know, you're, you're, you should hate them if they hate you. Jesus is saying, love your enemies and pray for them. He goes on, he says, that, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that, you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing this? So Jesus is saying, listen, if you are loving People that love you, the world is doing that. What reward are you going to get? You know, even the most evil person in this planet, in this world, had somebody that they loved. They loved, even though they were an evil person, did horrible things. So if you're loving like the world loves, what difference is that going to make in the body of Christ, right? Luke 6, 27, love your enemies and do, tho- do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And so love is not an option, it's an expectation. God does not give you and I the option to love who we choose. He expects us and tells us to love everybody. And it's difficult. It is so hard to love people that in your mind and in the world's view are telling you, you know, they're unlovable. But God says you are to love them. We make the mistake also of thinking that love is a feeling. You know, I've done a, this year, recently I've done two or three weddings, and what I've started to do is in the service is, is mention to the bride and groom that, hey, you know, love, today you're feeling, at your wedding day, you're feeling all these great feelings and these butterflies, and, and love is in the air, right? But guess what? There's going to come a time in your life where this feeling that they're feeling today on your wedding day is going to disappear. 
Because love is not a feeling. It's a verb. It's an action. The biggest mistake that this world makes and the reason why relationships are falling apart and marriages are ending is because people wake up and they say, I just don't feel it anymore. I don't feel in love with you. I've fallen out of love when in reality you got to wake up and say, I'm choosing to love my spouse. I'm choosing to love this person because that feeling is going to disappear. Love is not a feeling. The Christian version of love is a verb, right? So we have to understand that, that love is a choice. It's an expectation. And the bad habit of loving those that we choose often closes the opportunities that God brings. How are we, you know, when Jesus, after he, he, he died on the cross, was raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples, and before he ascended into heaven, he gave the great commission, which was to go and to make disciples. So all of us have not only a unique calling on our life, but we have a common calling, and that is to go and preach the gospel. Not, you don't have to go clear across the world, but in your world, change your world for the gospel and preach Jesus wherever you're at. But how are you to, to, to go out and, and, and expect to reach people for God when you're choosing to love people that you want to love and you're dismissing people who God's actually placing in your life. They might be difficult to love, but you're called to love them, right? We're, show, we're called to show them the love of Christ. And so loving like the world loves, seeing it as a feeling or a choice to who we can love, it closes off opportunities for God to change people's lives. If we're not open to everybody that God brings our way, we miss opportunities to bring them to Christ. You know, grace is the gift and Jesus is the answer, but love was the reason. Love was the reason. Love is what put Christ on the cross. Love is what has saved you out of your sins. And so if, if God was able to love you at your worst, you and I should be able to love somebody else at their worst, right? If God could look at me, at Bo Stevenson, and say, that man is worthy of my grace of salvation to enter into my throne room. If he's worthy of, of, of my son's sacrifice, then I, I can look at everybody else and say, listen, you're worthy of my love because God loved me. You and I, you and I are here today because God loved us in our worst so that we can love the others at their worst. So let's look at bad habit number two, and that's using prayer as the last option. This is kind of a big one because as Christians, we understand that, yeah, we're called to pray, right? Prayer is a big thing. But we have this, this idea, a lot of us, how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you've said something along the lines of this? You know, I've done everything that I can think of, and it's still not fixed. I guess all we can do now is pray, right? I guess, I guess all I can do is pray. We use prayer as a last option when in reality prayer should be never ending in our life and it should be the first thing that we do. How many times have you found yourself saying, you know, or, 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 or you've come into some hard times, your life isn't going the way you want it to, or you're having some difficulties? We go to Facebook first, right? Oh, bad day today. Why does it always happen to me? What a rough life. Please don't ask any questions, right? <laughs> Post on Facebook. We don't want attention. Please mind my privacy. We go to Facebook or we complain to friends that my life is so difficult. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get out of this situation? And then we finally think, well, maybe I should pray about it. I guess I'll just pray about it and see what happens. What we should do is when situations come in our lives, the first thing you should do is hit your knees and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how you're going to see me through, but you're going to do it. Prayer is not a last option. 
When Christ died on the cross, when he was resurrected, his sacrifice opened a door to the throne room of heaven. Now you and I have the opportunity to go to our Father in heaven, the creator of the universe, with our needs, with our thanksgivings, with our, with our, our, our desires, with our struggles, and, 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 and intercede for those around us, right? We have the opportunity to speak to God, the creator of the universe, but we use that as a last option. I am guilty, guilty, guilty from, of that. And it's something that, 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 that I believe is definitely a bad habit. Prayer is not only a, 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 a way that we can speak to God with our needs, but it's also a two-way communication. It's, a, it's, a, a, it's through prayer that we express our fears, we express our needs, our struggles, our gratitudes to the Father in heaven. And it's a time of listening to the Holy Spirit to find our calling and our direction that God wants us to go in. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. It's right there. He's asking us and inviting us to petition our needs to God. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. But we go to prayer with thanksgiving and the desires of our heart. And God's will to be done in our life. But sometimes, you know, the answers to our prayers are different than what we want. Sometimes God's answer to your prayer is a little different than what you were expecting, but it's always the right thing. How many of you, if you think back 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, or maybe when you were younger, praying for something that you really desired to happen, and you prayed God for daily, God, please, please let me marry this person, or let me have this job, or I'd love to move here, or whatever that is, and now you're later on in your life, and you're looking back thanking God that that prayer wasn't answered the way you wanted it to be answered, Right? So our answers to prayers are often different than what we, what we see, but God is always faithful to answer our prayers. And so we should stop using it as a last option and go immediately to the throne room of God with our needs. And in order to, to, to walk our calling out for Christ, to find that unique calling, what God has for us, you know, that gift or that calling, that, that ministry is placed on your life, in order to do that, we have to pray, God, let your will be done in my life. I don't know what I'm, you know, you go through a hard time and say, God, I don't know how you're going to see me through, Lord. I don't know what the ending this is going to be, but Lord, no matter what, I pray your will be done. And that is one of the scariest to me, that is one of the scariest prayers to pray. In fact, when I was an, you know, I say immature Christian, when I was younger, I would purposely, and this sounds so silly now, but it was, it's what I did. I would purposely leave out praying for God's will to be done in my life because I wanted selfishly what I wanted. I mean, have you guys ever done that before? I've done it because I've so desired in my flesh something that I prayed God. I was trying to conform God's will and God's purpose in my life into my idea of the way I wanted my life to be. And thank God that some of those prayers didn't answer and were answered, you know. And some of those things that, that God answered and he showed me, listen, you really didn't want this, did you, right? But one of the scariest things is, God, may your will be done. But that's what we need to pray in order to grow in God's will. My growth and experiences in my life have made me learn that God's plan for my life is so much better than anything that I've ever imagined. I've gone through, you know, situations in my life where, where yeah, I might have used prayer as a last resort, but I've prayed my way through it, and I've seen God to be faithful, and that, 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 that God's plan might be different than what I see, but it's always the best in the end. And I thank God that he's faithful, that he loves us enough, enough to care for our needs and, and, and to walk with us. What we need to do in situations that come our way is to first pray and to second to keep doing life. 
We need to pray first, but we're not called just to sit on our, on our rears and keep praying, God, help me find an answer. I'm just going to sit here until you bring an answer my way. No, you need to pray and be seeking God's will and his guidance, but also be doing life at the same time. Because in and through that action, God is going to bring direction and he's going to bring a solution to your problems. We can't just sit and expect God to, 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 to move without us taking a step, right? And when we pray, we need to have faith to know that God is going to, to answer that prayer, that he's going to move in our life no matter the circumstance. We have to have faith as we go into prayer. And it's through prayer that mountains move, that marriages are saved, that lives are changed. We need to pray, we need to listen, and we need to act and be obedient upon that answer from God. Another bad habit of prayer is to, to, to look at prayer as something that has to be formal, right? We, have, we think sometimes that prayer has to be this long, extravagant, perfectly worded sentence to God. And, and, and you know, if it's not, periods aren't in the right spot or commas aren't in the right spot, that God isn't going to answer it, right? In reality, prayer can be even three words. God, help me. God, help me. God, I don't know the words to pray. The Holy Spirit understands your heart. The Bible talks about how God already knows what you're going to ask before you ask. So prayer doesn't have to be this formal thing. It doesn't have to be in a certain spot. You don't have to just pray on Sunday mornings, but pray continually. Pray wherever you go and pray with faith, knowing that God is faithful to answer that prayer. You guys will have to forgive me. I've been battling a head cold in my <laughs> My throat's starting to give out. Uh, so bad habit number three. Now, this is kind of a big one. This is doubting God's ability. A bad habit of Christians is doubting God's ability. Now, this sounds, well, you can't doubt God, right? But we do doubt God and his ability. We look at the disciples. Look at the lives of the disciples after the crucifixion. Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And Mary Magdalene, you know, they go, they're going to dress his body up, whatever. They go up to the tomb, and the stone was rolled away. And their first thought wasn't like Jesus had been saying, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day. So, you know, don't worry about me. I'm going to come back. That wasn't their first thought. Their first thought when Jesus' body was missing is, somebody stole him. He's gone. He's gone. He's missing. <clears throat> they argued with one another. Who could have taken him? And these men were, pe were men that were with Jesus, these people, and these men and, men and women. They were with Jesus for three years. They've witnessed countless miracles. I, 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 my Bible here has a list of all the miracles that these uh, disciples had witnessed, and yet they still doubted. So here's just the full list throughout the Gospels of all the miracles that the disciples witnessed in Je with Jesus. Jesus. These are the healing miracles. The man with leprosy, the Roman centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law, two men from Gadara, a paralyzed man, women with bleeding, two blind men, a demon-possessed man, man with a shriveled hand, blind mute, demon-possessed man, Canaanite woman's daughter, a boy with a demon, two blind men, a deaf mute, possessed man, blind man in Bethesda, crippled woman, man with dropsy, ten men with leprosy, high priest servant, the official son of Capernaum, sick man at the pool of Bethesda, the man born blind, Jesus calmed the storm, 
storm. He walked on water. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. There was a coin in the fish. The fig tree withered. A large catch of fish. Water turned into wine. Another large catch of fish. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. The widow's son of Nain from the dead. And Lazarus from the dead. But yet they still doubt Jesus when he said, I am going to overcome death. And they're arguing that his body was stolen. And so in Luke 24, 36, it says that while they're still talking about this, about the body, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. Again, still doubting. Well, it's not Jesus. That has to be a ghost. Jesus said, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? And so it's easy to think, well, those guys are crazy. They've seen all these miracles that Jesus brought in their life, and they still don't believe that he did what he said he was going to do and that he's standing before them. But how many times have you and I faced a mountain and we've said, well, yeah, God brought me through all these other mountains, but this one is way too big. We do the same thing. We doubt God's ability. You know, God saves you from your mess. He radically transforms you into a new creation. You've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You are no longer who you used to be. Life is better than it used to be, right? Your habits have been broken, but man, this financial situation, God, you can't do anything with that. How's it, you know, <laughs> I'm on my own. We doubt God's ability in our lives, his faithfulness. God can, we think, you know, yeah, God can raise Jesus from the dead. He can resurrect people, but he can't heal my body. He can't heal my body. What am I going to do? We see God do amazing things in our lives, but the next mountain is always too hard. It's always too big, right? We have to stop this thinking because God, who was the God of yesterday, is still the God of today. The God who brought you out of your misery yesterday is still going to walk with you in the future, and there's nothing too big for him. There's nothing that he can't overcome. We have to stop letting fear, worry, and doubt stop us from doing what God's called you to do. Fear, I'm just going to tell you, if you struggle with fear, I'm a person who, who deals with anxiety and fear. You know, I'm <laughs> preaching to myself. I don't want to be too open, but I'm preaching to myself when, you know, I don't like change. When, when things change, oh, I'm stressed out. Lord, how are you going to do this, Lord? I don't know what, oh, this is the end, I guess, right? When in reality, maybe two years ago, he saved me from a bigger mess. But I have allowed fear in my life. There's been times in my life where I've allowed fear and anxiety from the enemy. All that fear and anxiety is are lies from the devil himself. Telling you, listen, you're still a sinner. Yeah, you can't do that. You know what you did this morning? God doesn't love you. Yeah, he's going to save that position for somebody who's a little better than you. Right? That's fear. That's anxiety. But we allow those to get in our way. Uh, 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 and, and God can't you know, work through us when we're still positioning ourselves to listen to the voices of the enemy and the voices of, of the world instead of saying, God, I trust in you 100%. Take me and use me. We're saying, listen, God, you know, I, I, you know, I believe you want to use me, but do you know who I am? Like, eh, I'm just Bo. I'm just, just me. I can't do anything. We allow that to stop us from growing. And each and every one of us has a unique call in our life. And just as Pastor Travis said last week, we don't have to go out and change the world, but we're called to go out and change our world. But how are we going to go out and change our world when we've submitted ourselves to the ways of the world and we're no longer walking with God? We're called to be separate from the world and to change our world as we live for Christ. But we can't do that when we're allowing fear and anxiety and the doubt that God actually cares for us or can take care of our circumstances. We allow all that to stop us from growing. We've got to quit that bad habit. Philippians 4.13 is one of my favorite verses. It says that I can do 
everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, you and I can endure and we can achieve all things that Christ intends for us to do by submitting ourselves and relying on his presence, relying on his power and his purposes for our lives. Now that phrase in that verse, who gives me strength, is a Greek word, and I'm, forgive me for I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but it's in dunomanti, and it literally translates to he who, or to, translates to who empowers me. And so that verse reads, I can do everything through him who empowers me. So our ability to do what God calls us does not, or to do what God has called us to do does not come from ourselves, but it comes from our faith in knowing that God provides strength, He provides purpose, He provides faithfulness, and He provides power, right? There's nothing in this world that can stop us other than our own fear, our own anxiety, and our, ourselves keeping ourselves in the world and, and keeping ourselves listening to the lies of the enemy. But when we submit ourselves to God, we just say, listen, God, my life is an open sacrifice for you. I'm living my life as a sacrifice, God. You can take me and you can use me any way that you see fit as long as it brings glory to you and it's according to your will. We have to be people, people that are open. So as I begin to close, you know, it's good that we continually examine ourselves both in our physical lives and our spiritual lives. We should never come to a place in our life that we say, you know what, this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, I've got a prayer life on Tuesdays. I come to prayer, and that's about it. Or, or I've read the Bible a couple times, gone through there, and that's I'm, no sense in reading it again, right? We're to continually grow and to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, God, what is it in my life that is holding me back from doing the things that you called me to do, Lord? Because there's always something. We should never come to a point where we're content. We have to look at our lives and see if there's any bad habits that might be holding us back. And it's also very important to realize that we should always strive for perfection in Christ, but that we're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. We will never be perfect this side of heaven. You and I are always going to have downfalls. We're always going to have things in our life that might overcome us for a day. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be sin. But you know what? In the midst of all those troubles and in the midst of our lives, God's grace abounds each and every day and so that we can wake up and we can say God yesterday was rough last night was rough Lord but please forgive me I'm going to stand up today as a new creation in Christ and understand that my God is a God of faithfulness my God is a God of healing my God is a God of grace and my God is a God of love we can't allow we shouldn't allow ourselves to, to, to allow our yesterdays to define who we are today our yesterdays don't define us. The things I did yesterday in my past, if I allow them to have power, they can, they can dictate my presence and my future because I can look and say, listen, I can't preach today because what I did in 2012 or whatever, 2013, or I, the thoughts that I had, you, you, you can't allow your past to dictate today. You have to realize that as a child of God, God's grace is new each and every day, and now you are no longer condemned, but you're a new creation in Christ. So stand firm in that truth. We can allow ourselves to remain spiritually immature. You know, we think this misconception that spiritual immaturity is for people that just gave their life to Christ yesterday. But the fact is there might be Christians who, who have been 
walking with Christ for 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years, and they're just as immature in their faith as they were the day they gave their life to Christ. And it's because we allow our bad habits, we allow the things of the world, right, our beliefs and the thoughts of the world around us to interfere into our beliefs and into our faith, and we try to make the two work when they don't work. And so we allow bad habits into our life that, that hold us back. I want you to know that you're never going to be perfect, that we need to be in continual need of Christ, of God's grace and his transformative power. You're never going to be sinless. You know, Billy Graham said in 1977, he said, some shy away from Christianity because they, they know they cannot live perfect lives. But according to the Bible, the Christian life is not for perfect people. It is for people who are imperfect like you and me. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And a Christian is not one who is sinless, but one who has had his sins forgiven. So I'm telling you right now, if you're waiting to step into the calling God has for you, if you're waiting for a time where you're perfect, where your life is in order, where you're better today than you were yesterday, that's not going to happen. Now is the perfect time to step into that calling that God has on your life and to say, God, I'm giving to my, you, myself to you 100%. I know I'm not perfect, but God, you make me perfect. Not because I deserved it, but because you loved me enough. None of us deserve God's love. The Bible says that we're all sinners. There's no one righteous. No one righteous, but because he loved us enough through Jesus we're able to be saved and to spend eternity with him. And so let's not take that lightly as we go out into the world. Let's not take that, 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 that transformative power that, that changed you from that old creation to the new, quit hiding it. The Bible says, don't put, you know, you don't light a lamp and put it under a cover. You light it so it lights the whole house. Everywhere you should go, people should look at you and say, you know what? There's something different about that, fo- that, that fella. Can't quite put my finger on it. When they ask, you say, you know, what? it's nothing I've ever done. I'm imperfect, man. But apart from God, I'm nothing. But it's Jesus living through me. And this is what he's done for me, and this is what he can do for you. Right? So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your grace, Lord, and your love, Lord. Let us not take that grace lightly. Let us not abuse your love, God. But let us step in, 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 you know, through faith, God. Let us step in that calling. Let us step into what you have for us, Lord. I pray that you would just speak to us as a body, Lord, to, to understand that there's more at stake in this world than, than what, we, what we think, God, Lord. There's lives at stake, Father God. I pray that we wouldn't be a people that hide your, your fire in our lives, God, that we hide you, Lord. I pray that we would live outrageous lives, God, for you, Lord that we would live open lives, God, that you would shine through us, God, each and every moment through the things that we do, God. I pray that you would you would continue to, to build our faith, God, through our circumstances. I pray that you would keep your hand on us, Lord. I thank you so much for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray for Pastor Travis and Tina and the missions crew, God, in Uganda, that they have a safe trip, God, that they, you would allow them to touch lives, Father, to change lives, and that you would also speak to them, God. I pray for safe travels there and back. We just thank you and give you all honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. 
We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.